separate what we call the guna, the quality or attribute from its locus. There are those people who believe that the quality abides in a locus, in a substance. An adjective abides in a substantive, meaning that the substantive and adjective enjoy different degrees, I mean they are separate from each other. Both of them enjoy the same degree of reality. So we discuss the problems of what happens when you try to separate that substance or locus from 
the adjective. Because devoid of the adjective, when you try to visualize that substance, then you are again confronted with the same problem. Is that substance again possessed of some adjective or is it without adjective? If it is without adjective by nature, it cannot be possessed the first adjective in the first place. And therefore, if it is with adjective, then again it must have another locus. Because it is with adjective, you try to imagine another locus. And like this, you come into all kinds of problems. So you cannot just separate the two. As uh, Sumitra was asking, all right, suppose there is a lotus, which is blue lotus. There is another lotus, which is red lotus. So is it not that blue is the color of the lotus, and red is color of the lotus, and lotus is different from blue and red anyway? I said, fine. Let us take a red lotus and try to imagine a lotus which doesn't have a red color. Mm-hmm. So what will you imagine? A blue lotus you will imagine. Okay. So you have a blue lotus having red as its attribute. Okay. Now blue lotus itself blue is an attribute. Now imagine a lotus without that attribute blue. White lotus. Okay. So you have white lotus having blue as the attribute. Now white also is a color. Imagine lotus without color white. Colorless lotus. Now can you visualize colorless? You cannot. And so we will ask you a question. If red lotus is based on blue lotus and a blue lotus is raised on some other color, is that color same as red or another one? She says, no, it is white. Okay. What is the nature of the, the lotus which is white? Divide of the white color. It will have some other attribute. Uh, is it the same as red or blue or white? Then you come back. Meaning that when you try to visualize in your mind a substance which is devoid of an adjective, you cannot visualize it. You will have to visualize some other adjective anyway. But devoid of that adjective, what will it be? You cannot, and therefore you cannot separate adjective from substantive, a quality from that which is qualified. Understand? Therefore we say that that red also is nothing but the nature of lotus itself. That lotusness includes color also. It can be red color, blue color, whatever it is. But lotusness abides in lotus, well lotusness and lotus cannot be separated. And lotusness has all the petals and color and all that goes with the lotus is called lotusness. You cannot separate lotusness from lotus, treeness from tree, uh, a clothness from cloth, hotness from pot and whatever. So that is Swarupa, you see, it is the very nature of the thing. <coughs> now, when you come to the ultimate reality, what is the ultimate substance on which everything is an adjective? So, as we said, the cloth is an adjective to substance, cotton, which is an adjective to substance, fiber. And like this, if you stretch it, what is the ultimate substance? It will reach where it has to be without quality. It has to be that which is without attribute. It is to be that which is without adjective. And therefore, ultimate substance has to be that which is without adjective or without attribute. And that is Brahman. Take anything and anything turns out to be an attribute ultimately of Brahman. And so what we call attributes are really superimposed upon the substance which is Brahman. And so, <clears throat> therefore, what is the nature of Brahman? Vikalpa tadabhava bhyam 
असंस्पृष्टम यू कैनॉट से दैट ब्रह्मन इज सविकल्पम और निर्विकल्पम बिकॉज निर्विकल्प ऑल्सो इज अ कंसेप्ट इन कॉन्ट्रेस्ट टू सविकल्प एंड इट इज नॉट अवेलेबल फॉर एनी कंसेप्चुअलाइजेशन विकल्पित्व लक्षत्व यू कैन रेज एनी विकल्प यू कैन रेज एनी क्वेश्चन इज नॉट अवेलेबल फॉर इवन क्वेश्चनिंग ऑल्सो वेन यू आस्क क्वेश्चन देर मुझे सम कंसेप्ट इन योर माइंड बिफोर यू वन आस्क क्वेश्चन वेन यू आस्क क्वेश्चन अबाउट एनी थिंग देर मुझे सम कंसेप्ट इन योर माइंड अबाउट दैट थिंग इवन वेन यू से आई डोंट बिलीव इन गॉड वेन यू से दैट दैट वर्ड गॉड मस्ट क्रिएट सम कंसेप्ट इन योर माइंड एंड देन यू से यू डोंट बिलीव इन दैट यू फॉलो someone said i don't believe in god okay that means that he does not believe in god of his concept if he comes to know what we think of god perhaps he may believe but when he says he does not believe in god there is no god for that also he has to imagine some god in his mind and then say that it is not so also when you say so that what is the nature of brahman some kind of is it this type or that type is it sarvikalpa or nirvikalpa when you ask this question also some kind of concept has to be there and therefore brahman is not available for even vikalpa it cannot be can come within the grasp or the scope of vikalpa or lakshatva or anything because all of these will qualify brahman in one way or the other meaning is brahman is that which is devoid of any qualification and any and every qualification is a superimposed upon brahman that is called creation <coughs> so that is the irreducible principle or the or the truth that is that is left when everything else that is negatable is negated and that is common between jiva and ishvara so when the shruti teaches us tattvamasi that the word it is this which is the content of that as well as content of thou thatness also is superimposed upon this dhavanas also is superimposed upon this jivatva also is superimposed upon that ishvaratva also is superimposed upon that and that which is beyond all the superimpositions is one alone content of both of them and that is what is taught by the shruti <coughs> so here the discussion or whatever he has to teach in terms of tattva viveka the discrimination of tattva the truth is concluded as you said now he talks of the uh, <coughs> he summarizes here what has been said so the commentator says etavata granth sandarbhena kimuktam bhavati all right granth sandarbha by this section of the text from the section up to this point etavata up to this point granthamin text sandarbha sandarbha means context or sandarbha means section so up to this section up to this point ki muktam bhavati what is it that has been described so far or what has been discussed so far falls in what category idi akankshayam phalitamaha if this question is there then what is phalitam what is the result of it is being said in the verse 53 <coughs> श्रवणुक्तिया 
సంధానం మననంతు తత ఇత్వం వాక్యై తర్థానుసంధానం శ్రవణం భవేత్ తర్థానుసంధానం అర్థానుసంధానం సో కాంటెంప్లేటింగ్ అపాన్ రిఫ్లెక్టింగ్ అపాన్ ఆర్ డెలిబరేటింగ్ అపాన్ ది మీనింగ్ ఆఫ్ దట్ మహావాక్య ఈస్ కాస్ శ్రవణం యుక్తిత్వ అనుసంధానం మననంతు తత్ అండ్ వాట్ ఇస్ ప్రెసెంటెడ్ బై శ్రవణం బై యుక్తి బై ద రీజనింగ్ verifying that very same thing or confirming that is called mananam so here the author defines what is shravanam and what is mananam <coughs> the tikagara says itham itham means so far itham in this manner jagataha yadupadanam ఇత్యాది గ్రంథజాతోక్త ప్రకారణ ఇత్ మీన్స్ ఇన్ దిస్ మేనర్ ఇన్ వాట్ మేనర్ జగత యదుపాదానం బిగినింగ్ ఫ్రమ్ ది వర్స్ ఫార్టీ ఫోర్ ఇత్యాది గ్రంథజాతోక్త ప్రకారేణ సో ఇన్ దీస్ వర్సెస్ ఇన్ దీస్ నైన్ వర్సెస్ బిగినింగ్ ఫ్రమ్ ది వర్స్ ఫార్టీ ఫోర్ అప్ టు ద వర్స్ ఫిఫ్టీ టూ ఎస్ యూ సీ హియర్ ఇన్ ది వర్స్ ఫార్టీ ఫోర్ ది teacher started discussing the the aikyam or the identity between tat and tvam as taught by the mahavakya tattvamasi so from the verse 44 he started discussing the identity between jiva and brahma as taught by this mahavakya tattvamasi that the word up to verse 52 that identity or this these nine verses show the vichara or inquiry or reflect on contemplation based upon that mahavakya tattvamasi <coughs> so this is what he says jagatah yadupadanam ityade granthajatokta prakarana vakyehi what vakyehi tattvamasyaade vakyehi by such statements this is vedanta what is vedanta this mahavakya is vedanta really when we say vedanto nama upanishad pramanam that vedanta is really pramanam the means of knowledge for what thing is it means of knowledge for this for revealing the identity between jiva and brahma for that vedanta or upanishad is a valid means of knowledge if vedanta discusses something else it discusses the creation and discusses some other vyavaharik thing or mundane thing where we would not really call it pramanam but in this particular matter of revealing the true nature of me revealing the true nature of the creation revealing the true nature of the creator in that respect it is pramanam the valid means of knowledge and this simple one statement tatvamasi that thou art reveals the true nature of me of the individual of the lord and of the creation true nature of everything is revealed by this one tatvamasi that the word means you are limitless and limitless alone is whatever there is is limitless alone and that limitless brahman alone appears as you that alone appears as he the lord that alone appears as the creation this is what is said in that simple sentence tattvamasi this is vedanta 
then why so many the Upanishads are so long? Because then, then what is the meaning of that tat? That must be expounded. What's the meaning of thvam? That also must be expounded. And so Ishvara Tattva, what is the nature of creation? Who is the creator? That must be expounded in great land. What's the nature of the individual? What is the nature of Atma? That also must be expounded in detail in order for us to understand the identity between the two. <coughs> so as Swami Master told you, this is the Mukhya Vakya. The Tattva Masi Mahavakya is the principal statement. And rest of the text is Avantar Vakya. They are the Vakya of the text which in fact support this or clarify this particular statement. And so, in fact, there is only Tattvamasyadivakyehi Tadartham Sandhanam Tesham Vakyanam Arthasya Anusandhanam So, taking those statements of the Upanishad, and what is the meaning of those Upanishad? Anusandhanam. Anusandhanam means, again, reflecting upon them, deliberating upon the meaning of the statements of the Upanishad. And what is Artha? What is the purport? What is it that these Vakyas convey? Jiva Brahmanoho Ekatva Lakshanasya Arthasya That Artha, the purport of this Mahavakya is Jiva Brahmanoho Ekatvam The identity between Jiva and Brahman. Meaning that what commonly is considered to be Jiva, the individual self, is indeed Brahma, is indeed the limitless. So you are limitless. You are perfect or you are complete. You are full. This is all that the Upanishad has to say. Now, Anusandhanam, how can it be? So, with the help of the Shruti, with the help of Upanishad, deliberation upon the meaning of these statements, this process is called Shravanam. This is called Vichara, an inquiry into the nature of truth, of individual, truth of the creation, truth of the creator, that inquiry with the help of the Upanishad is called Shravanam. <coughs> and what do you come to know from Shravanam? This identity that I am limitless. This is a knowledge that you gain as, as a result of reflecting upon or deliberating upon the meaning of the statements of the Upanishad. <coughs> Elsewhere in Vedanta Sara, the Shravanam is defined like this. Saravanam nama shad vidalingaihi ashesha vedantanam advitiya vastuni tatparya avadharanam. You must have known this shad vidalinga. Upakramopa samharau abhyaso purvata phalam. Arthavado patiche lingam tatparya nirane. You must have heard this verse. Tatpari Niranaya, when you want to determine the purport or the content of any particular text, any passage or any chapter or the whole text, then we apply a certain criteria of analysis to arrive at what is it that this text wants to convey. Upakrama Upasamhara. What is Upakrama? What is the introduction? How does the text begin? With what proposal it begins? Upasamhara, what is the conclusion? Usually in a well-presented text or in a well-presented even in a lecture or a discourse, the introduction and the conclusion 
would be consistent. Usually the speaker or the author, they always introduce briefly what they are going to state and conclude also with what they had started. Because that is what remains in the mind predominantly. Whenever we want to, when we go to listen to someone, what he starts with and what he ends with always remains in our mind. And our mind compares whether what he concluded is in keeping with what he introduced. So that becomes one linga. Upakrama upasamharo abhyas abhyasaha. Then the theme that you really want to convey is always repeated. You always repeat it again and again. Not as a tautology repetition, but you want to impress it upon the reader or upon the listener. Because that is the most important or primary in your mind. And what is primary in your mind always comes out in one way or the other. You will notice yourself. You know, a discussion also. Suppose you want to make a point. You want to tell something. Again and again, if the person does not understand, different way. You know, different way you will bring up again and again until the person understands. This is our habit because we are so eager to see that the other fellow understands what we want him or her to understand. And therefore, again and again we bring up that theme. Sometimes in the same words, sometimes in different words and so on. This is called Abhyasa. Also, a very important feature of any presentation. Apurvata, whatever a text presents, has to be something unique. There is some uniqueness in everything. What is otherwise available in other texts or other means of knowledge is not presented. So, Upanishad is a Pramanam. Pramanam is a valid means of knowledge. What it presents must not be available by other means of knowledge. And this Jiva Brahma Ikyam, that is where the Upanishad has its uniqueness. It presents this theme which is otherwise not available for knowledge by other means of knowledge, Apurvata. Phalam, then you always tell also, what is the phalam? What's the result? Why should anybody listen to you? Why should anybody read your book? What is that that you gain by that? So that result that one will gain also must be presented. Then alone the person will be, whether you know, that will be also enable us to know what is the subject matter here. Arthavadaha, you always praise, you know, whatever you, the theme that you want to present and very often ridicule or condemn the opposite of it also. That is called Arthavadaha. <coughs> Upapatti and also show the very reasoning, logic or the reasoning behind what you want to convey. Upapatti. So these are called the Shad Linga. So there are six signs or the six criteria that we employ in analyzing a subject matter or the purport of a given text. And they take Upanishad and employ this linga and arrive at what is the purport of the Upanishad? What is subject matter of Upanishad? Jiva, Brahma, Aikyam. Identity between Jiva and Brahma. And so take different Upanishads and then by this, with this method, arrive at this purport of the Upanishad, namely identity between Jiva and Brahma. This ascertainment is called Shravanam. So, ascertainment or understanding of the Upanishad, that this is the subject matter of the Upanishad, revealing the identity between Jiva and Brahma, this is called Sravanam. <coughs> so, Jiva Brahmanoho ekatva lakshanasya anusandhanam Sravanam bhave, that is called Sravanam. Then what is Mananam? Then the author says Yuktya, 
Shabdas Prashadayo Vedyaha from the very third verse. The first two verses were the verses of invocation or telling us the subject matter, etc. From the third verse, the, the topic of the text started. From there itself, the teacher presented the yukti. Started with reasoning, showing the possibility of the jiva brahma aikya, showing the possibility of identity between jiva and brahma. And who is this jiva, the individual? So first he started by analyzing this knowledge. Shabdas prashadaya vedyaha, you know, so how this vedyaha, this objects, vaichitra jagare prasak, how the objects are all different, and then samvit which is different from them, how it is one. And thus, that samvit is one alone, and samvit is changeless, and that's, therefore it is sat and chit, and it is very atma, and therefore it is ananda. And that is how samvit or atma is satchidananda was shown by yukti. And that is how by yukti it was shown how jiva and brahma are identical. <coughs> so yuktya sabdas prashadaya vedyaha ityayana para paratmano evam yuktya sambhavita ikata up to verse 43 ityantena grantha sandarbhena ukta prakarana so by this grantha sandarbha by this section of the text sambhavitatva anusandhanam sambhavitatva means yogyatva so yukti does not prove so by logic or reasoning, we do not prove the Jiva Brahma Ikya, but we point out the reasonability of Jiva Brahma Ikya. So what is valid or what is really authority in revealing the identity of Jiva Brahma is only Upanishad. So what's the scope of reasoning or what's the scope of our logic to show that what the Upanishad reveals is logical, is reasonable. It does not contradict the logic or reasoning. Otherwise, our intellect will not be able to comprehend it. If Upanishad presents something which just contradicts our basic thinking, then we will not be able to, we will not be able to accept it. We will not be able to comprehend it. And so, Anukula Chintanam, Anukula Chintanam. Chintanam means, Shruti Madas Tarkonu Sandhiyatam. With the help of the reasoning which is in keeping with the Shruti, we see that what the Shruti has to say also is reasonable, logical, palatable. So it says, Ukta Prakarana Sambhavitattva Anusandhanam. So whatever the Upanishad says, Upanishad says, Jiva is indeed Brahman. Anusandhanam, how can it be? So various doubts will arise. Whatever perception says is different from what the Upanishad says. Upanishad says, you are limitless. And what do I say? I am limited. Upanishad, and then also, there are so many other philosophies, the schools of philosophy say that Atmas are many, and, and matter is different, spirit is different. So, so many such schools of thoughts are there. And all of these will create various questions in my mind. All those questions are resolved with the help of reasoning, which reasoning is based on Shruti, reasoning that is in keeping with the spirit of the Shruti. So that is called Mananam. <coughs> Mananam to Shrutasya Advitiya Vastunaha Vedantanagunu Yuktivihi Anavartam Anuchintanam. 
anavartam anusintanam constantly reflecting upon vedanta anuguna yukti bihi with the yukti or the reasoning which is in keeping with or, or keeping with vedanta so advitiya vastunah constantly deliberating upon reflecting upon this theme that is that is revealed by the shruti identity various doubts which arise in my mind and resolving those doubts with the help of reasoning until my knowledge becomes free from all the doubts so this process is called mananam shrutasya arthasya upapadyamanatva jnanam yadasti shrutasya arthasya shrutya pratipadasya arthasya that artha or the meaning that is that is expounded by the shruti by the upanishad upapadyamanatva jnanam that is upapannam that is reasonable it is logical so a conviction on my part that what the shruti says is reasonable is logical i am convinced about it logically also this yadasti that particular knowledge is tattu mananam iti uchyate that kind of reflection is called mananam <coughs> not just any reflection but reflection of what is revealed by the shruti not just in any way but by the reasoning which is in keeping with what the shruti reveals <coughs> this is called mananam now idanim nirdhyasanamah we know that these are the means for knowledge atmavare drashtavya shrutavyo mantavyo nirdhyasitavya yagnyavalkya says yagnyavalkya says to maitrey he maitrey atma is drashtav atma must be known why because knowing the self you as well know everything then nothing remains to be known so knowing the self you know everything whatever is to be known is known whatever is to be heard is as well heard whatever is to be thought of is as well as thought of when you know the self really suggests therefore atma vare drashtavya hai atma must be known seen how shrotavya hai mantavya hai nidhyasitavya hai you must subject yourself to vichara shravanam and then carry out mananam and ultimately to gain abidance in the knowledge nididhyasanam <coughs> so the third means namely nididhyasanam not third really the all the three form one the third aspect of that is de- described in the verse 54 <coughs> ताभ्यामिरविचिकित्सेर्थेचेतसस्थापितस्ययते ताभ्याम निर्विचिकित्से अर्थे ताभ्याम श्रवण मननाभ्याम बाय श्रवण एंड मनना व्हेन द सिग्निफिकेंस और और द मीनिंग ऑफ व्हाट द वेदांत सेज हैज बिकम वेरी क्लियर फ्री फ्रॉम एनी काइंड ऑफ डाउट्स एंड वेगनेस देन अर्थे तस्मिन अर्थे इन दैट अर्थ चेतसस्सह स्थापितस्य यत् एकतानत्वम when the mind abides in that knowledge 
So it is a habitual error by which the mind again and again gets off from that. And so making the mind abide in that very knowledge which you gain as a result of Shravanam and Mananam, Ekatanatvam, Etadhi, Nididhyasanam Uchyade. This is called Nididhyasanam, or what is normally called here, contemplation. <coughs> Nididhyasanam is a technical word which means this. Which is explained by the Tikakara here, Tabhyam, Shravanam, Mananabhyam, Nirvichikitse, Nirgata, Vichikitsa, Samshayaha, Yasmadasu, Nirvichikitsa, Tasmin Arthe, Tasmin means Nirvichikitse. Vichikitsa means doubt. Nirvichikitsa means that, Nirvichikitsa means that which is free from doubt. Nirgata, Vichikitsa meaning Samshayaha, Yasmadasu, Nirvichikitsa. So that from which all doubts are removed. So far, so long, we must continue to reflect upon what we have heard. Until whatever doubts or questions which arise in our mind, all of them are satisfactorily resolved. They are resolved with the satisfaction of the intellect. So long, we must carry out the reflection. If doubt is there, then the intellect will not be able to settle. Because moment you think of something, the intellect raises a question and there is a disturbance in the mind. Samshaya or doubt always creates a disturbance. <coughs> so it's necessary that that obstacle must be removed. And what else creates a disturbance? What we call Dehatma Buddhi. That so far taking the body as I. It's a habitual error. Habitually I have been taking the body as I. And again and again that habit catches hold of me. I forget myself. Swamiji, I know I must do this. I know that I should not get angry. But I get angry anyway. Later on I realize. I know I should not have behaved like this. I know I should not have spoken like this. I know I should not have done this. But even then, I find myself doing it. Resolve on the New Year day from now, I'm not going to get angry. And that very resolve makes him angry, you know. And so, how come? How come inspired? I know that I should not be angry. I know all the... You know, anger is, 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 is bad, I know. It's, it's uh, in every respect harmful to me and to others also. So I, I don't want anger. And even then, I find myself getting angry. This is called habitual error. And there, there therefore remains a distance between what we like to do and what we actually do. What we believe or what we know and what we actually are, there is always a gap. Now that gap can be due to two things. Either what I believe is not clear to me and therefore in a given situation I am not able to see what it means. I must speak truth but in a given situation if I do not know what truth means then also I may not be able to follow it. Or I know what truth is but still I am not able to speak because I forget. Because of my habit, the past habit, I again go back into the old track and as though forget. So the knowledge that I have does not become available in practice because at that time the mind is preoccupied with something and therefore that knowledge of Viveka, the wisdom, does not have an opportunity to manifest then. So what should we do? We have to learn to eliminate that habit. That requires Abhyasa. Abhyasa in the count there, Vairagyana Chakrakhyate. 
असंशय महाबाहो मनो दुर्निग्रह चलम अर्जुन भगवदगीता चंचलम ही मन कृष्ण So what should I do? To control this mind is even more difficult than controlling the air. Lord, you know, says yes. He, he can, I mean, uh, he uh, concurs with this. You are right. Because he has created this mind, so he knows better, I think, you know. So he says yes. You know, Asamsayam Mahabahu. Hey Mahabahu. Mahabahu means one having long arms, a very powerful person. But when it comes to mind that Mahabahu is powerless, you know, Asamshayam, I realize that there is no doubt at all. Manaha durnigraham chalam. That mind is durnigraham, extremely difficult to control. Extremely difficult to master. Chalam is chanchalam is chalam, restless. And also very obstinate. Then how do we bring it under control? How do we master it? Abhyasa, you know, the count Abhyasa, repeated practice and vairagya. It is passion for everything else. Only total commitment to this thing at the exclusion of others and again and again repeating. This is how the mind will be able to, we will be able to establish or a new channel. Right now the mind is drawn by its own samskaras and we have to create this new powerful samskara. When this samskara becomes more powerful than other samskaras, then alone the mind will be able to abide in this. And to create samskara, you keep on repeating. This is the method. To create any samskara, anything you want to do, repeat. To again, Ramaha Ramu Ramaha, Ramaha Ramu Ramaha, Ramaha Ramu Ramaha. This is, you know, Abhyasa means repetition. Babhuva, you know, bhu, then repetition. Babhuva, when it is remote past, then there is a, there is a repetition of that word. Bhu, bhu bhuva, babhuva, babhuva, this is how. That's called abhyasa in grammar also, when you repeat. So here also abhyasa, repeat the same thing again and again. It can become brainwashing if that knowledge is not clear, understand. This abhyasa comes after shravana and manana, meaning that you know what you are doing. Not that you simply take something and blindly repeat. So repetition and vairagya. Vairagya also means knowledge. So that is a way to attain an abiding mind. To create new tendencies of samskaras which can be more, which should be more powerful than the old samskaras. Until then this is to be done. So that is called Nididhyasanam and ultimately ekatanatvam that mind becomes single-pointed in this, in whatever you want it to be engaged. So in that case that is called dhyanam, that is called meditation. <coughs> That's what the Tikakara explains here. So tabhyam, shravanamanabhyam, nirvichikitse, as Swami was saying, you know, the habitual error. When you are in the United States, 
then when you sit in the car, when somebody gives you, you know, and that happened to me right away. So here there is left hand drive and you go on the right hand door. Now what happened, I came from India, from, from Bombay, I got down to New York and this boy had come to pick me up. I, I by habit, uh, habit went to the left side, you know. He said, Swamiji, here, now you are in New York and therefore <laughs> on this side. When I go back there, again this problem arises, you know. This is called habit, you know. And so, every time the car comes, I wait a minute, where am I? Am I in Bombay, New York? Left hand drive or right hand drive, you know. If left hand drive, I should go on right here, right hand drive. Then what is left hand drive? That also becomes problem sometimes, you know. <laughs> but anyway, so a lot of deliberations to go on before I decide to go on one side. And so that samskara, you know, that habit becomes very strong. And we are habitual people and mechanical people. So this mechanicalness and the whole thing has become so mechanical. I am the body, that idea, dehatha buddhi has become so rooted. So the mechanicalness can only be overcome by alertness. Nididhyasana means alertness. Alertly owning up the knowledge that you have anything. If you want to really put something into practice, Alertness is the name of the game. So all sadhanam is called savadhani, they say. What is sadhanam? What is sadhanam in spiritual practice is what? Savadhani, being alert. Being alert about what you want to do. You decided to speak truth, be alert. You decided that you are going to do this from now on, be alert. If you are not alert, the mind will again get back into the old channels. And long before you realize, damage is done. So Nididhyasana can also be called alertness and thus we can always remain alert. Suppose you are doing karma, action, then I must be alert. This action must be performed as an offering to the Lord. Karma Yoga, Yad Karoshi, Yad Ashnasi, Yad Juhoshi, Yad Dadasi, Yad Tapasyasi, Tat Kurushva Madarpanam. Lord says, whatever you do, offer to me. I am eating food, wait a minute, this must be offered to the Lord. I'm going to do this, I, I perform some action, I must remember, it should be offered to the Lord. Alertness. So it's called apramattaha. Pramada means inadvertence. Apramadaha, alertness. <coughs> so nirvidhyasana also is a kind of alertness. So nirvichikitse arthe, that artha or the meaning or the purport which is free from the knowledge, which is free from any doubt, Tasmin arthe vishaye sthapitasya dharanavataha chetasaha desha sammandaha chittasya dharanayadi patanjalina uktatvad yad ekatanatvam ekakara vritti pravahavatvam etad nididhyasana machyate. Now, in Yoga Shastra, this whole process of concentration is recognized to take place in three stages. First is called dharana, then dhyanam, and samadhi. So this is the ashtanga yoga. The yoga, namely samadhi yoga, consisting of eight steps. Yama, niyama, asana, pranayama, pratyahara, this five. Dharana, dhyana, and samadhi. So yama and niyama pertain to the conduct. 
ఆసన ప్రాణాయామ పర్డెన్ టు ద బాడీ అండ్ ది ప్రాణాయామ ప్రత్యాహార పర్డెన్స్ టు ద విత్డ్రాల్ ఆఫ్ ద సెన్సెస్ దెన్ కమ్స్ ది మెంటల్ యాక్టివిటీ ఆఫ్టర్ ఆల్ దిస్ కమ్స్ ది ఎఫర్ట్ ఫర్ మెడిటేషన్ ధారణ ధారణ మీన్స్ కాన్సన్ట్రేషన్ ధ్యానం ధ్యాన మీన్స్ మెడిటేషన్ అండ్ సమాధి సమాధి మీన్స్ అబ్జార్ప్షన్ నిరుధ్యాసనం ఇస్ కంపేరబుల్ టు ధ్యానం which is the seventh step remember you know so here we start from the day one meditation you know but then before that a lot of discipline must have gone then alone we find it a very fruitful thing otherwise meditation becomes very frustrating thing because the earlier preparations are not there anyway so what is dharana he defines here desha sambandha chittasya dharana what is concentration చిత్తసంబంధంట్రేటింగ్ ఆన్ ఏ పర్టికులర్ దేశ ఆర్ పర్టికులర్ ప్లేస్ ఆర్ పర్టికులర్ ఆబ్జెక్ట్రాస్త్ర ఆల్సో దాన్సంట్రేట్ ఆన్ ఆన్ ద మూలాధార ఆన్ ద నేవల్ ఆన్ డిఫరెంట్ స్పాట్స్ ఇన్ ద బాడీ సమ్టైమ్స్ట్రేట్ బిట్వీన్ ది టూ ఐబ్రోస్ సో when chitta or the mind is focused or concentrated on a particular place or a particular spot or a particular object it can be a form also it can be a symbol also that would be called dharana concentration iti patanjalina uktatvad dharana vatah chetasah of the mind which is has this discipline of dharana I mean the mind which has a discipline of or ability of concentration at a given place. For such a mind, ekatanatvam yad ekatanatvam ekakara vritti pravahavatvam etad nididhyasana muchyade. So, ekakara vritti pravahatvam, same kind of vritti or same kind of thought continues to flow. It is also called sajatiya vritti pravahaha. Vritti means a thought. Pravaha means a flow. Sajatiya vritti pravaha hai. The flow of similar thoughts. So the same thought flows constantly. Om Namah Shivaya. Om Namah Shivaya. Om Namah Shivaya. Whatever it is. That thought continues to flow. Then it is called Dhyanam. So, Ekakar vritti pravaha vattum metad niridhyasana muchyade. In this case, the mind abides where? In Atma. ఆత్మాకార వృత్తి ప్రవాహన్ వాట్స్ ది నేచర్ ఆఫ్ ద థాట్ ద థాట్ హియర్ ఇన్ ఫ్యాక్ట్ హెస్ ఇట్స్ హెస్ ఆబ్జెక్ట్ ఆఫ్ నాలెడ్జ్ వాట్ ఆత్మా సో వృత్తి ఆఫ్ ద థాట్ విచ్ హెస్ ఆత్మా హెస్ ది ఆబ్జెక్ట్ ఆఫ్ నాలెడ్జ్ వెన్ దట్ అహం బ్రహ్మ దిస్ వృత్తి ఐఎమ్ బ్రహ్మన్ వెన్ దట్ కంటిన్యూస్లీ ఫ్లోస్ ద మైండ్ దట్ వుడ్ బి కాల్ నిరుధ్యాసనం నో డౌట్ దెర్ ఇస్ ఇంటరప్షన్ దట్స్ వైట్ ఇస్ కాల్ meditation because there is interruption but then adhyadharaya srotasasamam sarala chindanam viralatah param as ramana maharshi says adhyadharaya srotasasamam like adhyadhara like the flow of ghee when you pour that ghee from one vessel to the other how it pours continuously without break 
That is also when the mind flow is continuous, without break. Srota sasamam, or compared to the srota or the pravaha, or the flow of water, stream of water, like a river. How the river also continuously flows without a break, so also the mind continuously flows, and river flows towards its objective, ocean, and so also the mind continuously flows towards its objective, that continuous unbroken flow we call dhyanam or nirdhyasanam. <coughs> Etad hi, hi prasiddham yoga shastre, tatra pratyayikatanata dhyanam. Tatra means what? Dhe vishaye. In that in which you want to concentrate, tatra. Pratyaya ekatanata. Pratya means vritti or a thought. Ekatanata, then the constant flow of the same kind of thought with reference to the object of meditation is called dhyanam. <coughs> so that is what is there in this dhyasanam also. This knowledge I have, aham brahma, I am limitless. Which knowledge I have gained during shravanam. Which knowledge also has been made free from the doubts by mananam. So that knowledge is clear. But still that knowledge is subject to being overwhelmed by the habitual error of taking myself to the body. And so just as that beggar has to remember, I'm a rich man, I'm a rich man, I'm a rich man. Beggar became rich overnight because he won a lottery. He won millions of rupees in lottery. Overnight became a rich man. And obviously this is new riches and that is a big house, palatial house and big car and a chauffeur and all kinds of things, you know. And as Swami would say, you know, he keeps the car keys in his hand and or and, and, and makes a sound so everybody knows that he is having a car. And he has certain, you know, his uh, clothes and everything else, also very expensive. So everybody knows that he is a rich man, except he has his own doubts, you know. So he forgets every now and then. That's a problem. So once when he goes for a darshan in a temple, he is driven there. You see in Bombay there is a temple called Mahalakshmi. Temple of... Now these temples are in narrow lanes. You can't take your car all the way to the temple. So you have to park your car outside. You must get down and then you have to walk up to, to reach that temple. And so this man also came, went down. The chauffeur is there. He went down and then went into the temple. And very customary in that temple also that many people offer food, particularly to the beggars and so on. So sometimes they bring laddu, you know, things like that, and offer to the beggars. So this man also went for darshan, he's coming out and he saw a big crowd there. And somebody, a big basket of opposite laddus, so somebody is standing there, you know, on a platform, and these fellows are all crowded up there, and he's distributing that. Who will get this? The one who is smart will always get it first. And this fellow, before he even realized, he did not know what happened and when it happened. But he just found one laddu in his hand, that's all. He was returning from the temple and then he found a laddu in his hand. He did not know, he was so happy, you know, he was triumphant. So he was chewing up that laddu and returning to the car. He sat down in the car and the chauffeur looked back at him. Oh, 
Then he realized what all had happened, you know. But he was clever, he says, hey, I brought prasad for you, you know. <laughs> so anyway, but this is how the habit, habitual error, it takes over you. And so you must remember, dhanavanaham, dhanavanaham, I am rich, I am rich. And that has to overcome ultimately the old samskar of I am a beggar, I am a beggar. So abhyasa, this is called, dhyasaram is repeated practice. And that is also necessary to do. You can't wait, well, I, when I will get clear knowledge by shravanam and manam, then I'll start that. You can't. You will start from day one, you know. And so there must be a time assigned for the concentration of the mind. Because it won't be possible to deal with the mind just at any time you want. It requires a pretty long practice and therefore, that's the reason why they give you japa or they will give you some kind of meditation so that we repeat that name in our mind or we concentrate our mind in a particular form or whatever is according to the one's own taste and disposition. But something is to be done so that we develop the ability to bring back our mind from its preoccupation and be able to direct our mind or concentrate it where we want to concentrate. That ability is absolutely necessary and that also becomes a part of this whole package of Vedanta. In that way, when we have developed that ability, then it will come very handy. If you learn computer, etc., in the early stage, then it comes very handy later on, you know. Then when you require, then when you pull out a report, now you start learning computer, that won't work. Because that will take six months. So if you had the training to begin with, and then when it is similarly also, this is the ability that we have to acquire. <coughs> Tatra pratya ekatanata dhyanam Tatra means dhyaya vishaya in that object of meditation. Ekatanata is the, the flow of this pratya, the flow of the same thought is called dhyanam. <coughs> okay. Om Puranamadav Puranamidam Puranat Puranamudachyade Puranasya Puranamadaya Puranamevavashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Vadarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutavande Bhagavanta Upunapunaha Ishvaro Guru Ratmeti Murti Bheda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha Hari 